My text this morning is Psalm 55. So would you turn to Psalm 55 and keep it open as you follow through the message. It will be helpful to look at the uh, bulletin insert outline as well. Let's go to Psalm 55 and make some preliminary observations. There are at least four. So there are four things that we need to know about Psalm 55 that will help us to really delve into it. The first and foremost, it is a psalm of David under heavy burdens. I already talked about that. And second, it is a lament about betrayal by a trusted friend. Most people, if not all people, will say the deepest pain that we could experience is a betrayal from a good friend, a best friend that we thought he or she will never change, never turn their backs on us. But David actually went through another betrayals too, but by enemies and different things. But Psalm 55 is marked by really close friends' betrayal. We get to hear a little more about that. Thirdly, it is a song of a heart cry to God. And obviously, David's heart, the man after, a man after God's own heart, turns to God and, and in, in, in a you know, poetic way and in a very the musical way also too. But it is a heart cry. And we sometimes glance over those languages, emotional languages. And lastly, it is a personal prayer of David that shows wisdom for all we are stuck in reverse. Stuck with anguish and burdens. I don't know how many of you guys are uh, listen to Coldplay, the, the British alternative rock group. I love a couple of songs they, they had. But as I'm meditating this, reading it over and over, this Psalm 55, the one phrase came to me. It's a Coldplay song called Fix You. When you try your best, but you don't succeed, when you get what you want, but not what you need, When you feel so tired, but you can't sleep, stuck in reverse, and the tears come streaming streaming down your face, when you lose something you can't replace, when you love someone, but it goes to waste, could it be worse? And we might identify with this kind of song and lyric so closely. And then, um, I just needed the lyrics, right? But I wanted to hear, to look, look at some of their concert YouTube video. 
some kind of a 52 or 53 million views. Why is it so popular? Uh, confession. I just needed to listen to once, to, to use it as an illustration. But I was drawn to it, listened to over and over. And when that, when he, when he sings, could it be worse? It's, I could feel and identify the depth of my pain that I experienced in my life. Song goes on and on, and I, there's a background story of all that too. But I want you to know what David is in is right here. Do you feel like sometimes you're stuck? Because of your pain and suffering, or some kind of irreconciled relationship, broken relationships. You know what? I've counseled enough people to know that some, sometimes this guy is a PhD in his 40s and 50s, stuck in teenage years because of that. So this series, we're going through wisdom literature. We are to learn wisdom and discernment and learn from that. Let's not turn to unhealthy things, the substitutions, cheap substitution. Whether it could be just an entertainment, legitimate food things. Or we could go wild in our middle age to all kinds of illegitimate things. Let's turn to God and ask questions like this. What do you do? Father, tell us what to do when I feel stuck and I'm just going backwards. I can't even move forward at all. Looking at this psalm, it's just so good to see that four things emerge naturally out to me. So here's the first thing that we ought to do. When you're stuck in reverse, tell God all about your troubled heart. Verse 1 through 8. Give ear to my ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I'm restless in my complaint, and I mourn because of the noise of the enemy, because the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me. And in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the 
raging wind and tempest. So whenever we read scripture and meditate and reflect on it, so read it over and over, you when until you hear the words of deep-seated emotions. Coldplay, it was easy to catch it, right? But here, did you notice as you're reading in verse 1 through 8, he's, in, he's stuck in trouble with burdens. What's the first thing that he, he does? First thing that he does, David does, is tell God about his troubled heart. Uh, don't, don't just glance over this, what I just said. He's telling God how he's feeling. Look at these emotional words. Restless, mourn, trouble, anguish, terror, fear, trembling, horror, and I would fly away. Desire, wish to escape. We all have that. Sometimes you want to just get in the car and take off. Can I just go to Mexico for a few days all by myself? Don't get, don't get me wrong. I believe in good counseling. I believe in therapy. And many of us ought to go there to get help. And I'm thankful for David's counselor. I'm thankful for how he walked faithfully through that process. But because of this shame factor and two faces in Christian life, whenever we get in trouble, it's just the one or the other. You act normal and you act, you put it all together or go to counseling or go to therapist. But what if we practice this in our community? To God. Are you worried about something? Are you, are you burdened about something? Is your heart troubled? Instead of praying the noble prayer, God, I ought to believe in you. I, do, I should do this. I trust in you. I believe that you could change everything. So change these circumstances. Change me. But before all that, Eight verses out of 23. Can we spend 10 minutes or 15 minutes of our prayer time telling God how we feel, things that bother us? Oh, how spiritually healthy that could be for us. Emotionally healthy for us. If we really do that, sisters and brothers, listen to me. 
Our men's group and women's group will be a delightful place to bring our heart to the heart sharing. When you share journalistically, journalistic sharing, you could share anything. It doesn't matter. Thousand people. But when you hear heart sharing, even if you, you have shared hundred times, at that moment your heart tugs. And that's why that kind of um, safety and the trust relationships are necessary. That's what men and women's groups are. Confidentiality. There are issues that we still need to go to counselors. There are issues that in our marriage, we need some persons to walk alongside to help each other. But when we're talking about learning wisdom from Psalms and Proverbs, this is at the top of important things. And I admit, I used to, whenever I pray, I used to jump into the noble part of the prayer too quickly. But it took painful experience for me and I didn't even know what I was doing close to about 20 years ago when my dad passed away and I was in the middle of transition between my youth mission quote unquote to this glamorous um, innovative church plan I had few months of uh, transitions extra time on my hand. That extra time was so painful for me because I didn't have a distractions anymore. I didn't have a busyness anymore. I didn't have a lot of this well-meaning, enabling stuff. Filling my void by helping, listening to the teenagers for hours. So when I turned on the TV, everything seemed to be normal, kind of forgetting. But I, I know deep in my heart, something's really bothering me. So I would go to this park, baseball field, in about you know two-minute walking distance at night. And the, all the lights are off, and there's, there's a street light. I'll sit in the dugout. Sometimes close to an hour or two. But seeking God. My simple prayer was, God, you got to relieve me from this pain. Whatever I'm feeling right now. And God would leave me there. So what do I do? I didn't, I didn't know about all these principles. I'd start confessing, honestly. It it really did help me to have journal. Especially for guys, I, I think that I would highly recommend it. I still go back to, the, go back to those journals, old journals, and write it down. God, it hurts deep inside. I feel like I'm a man walking in a desert. 
looking for water. There's no sign of oasis anywhere. What do I look forward to these days? Don't have friends. I'm 31 and have no sign of any kind of dating situation. And my friends are these teenagers. <laughs> and I begin to see the, the, the danger signs or the unhealthy signs of youth pastor that I used to teach others. I'm beginning to in need of their friendship. This is wrong. So I'm moving on to the new ministry. But it hurt. And my dad passed away in the middle of all that. So this remorse and guilt that I should have spent time with, with my dad, with all the time that I had, the money that I had, the love and care I, I had, if I, if I took a little bit of what I did with teenagers into my dad's, I don't have that chance anymore. God, I'm messed up. Am I even qualified for ministry? I'm a hypocrite. I can't even love my dad in the same way. See what I did. Those are the moments that I felt God hearing. And then when I, when I come back after two, three hours of that, I would hear this comforting voice, like a little tiny bubble and deep in my heart. My pain's still there, but a little bit of joy that God heard me. He's tapping on my shoulders. I haven't forgotten about you. What are you going through these days? So whenever you think about prayer, do you think about prayer for things? And you need to ask things. Would you do this this week? If you're a walker, you're a runner, you could do that. I do that in swimming, lap swimming. Tell God, just confess. God, I feel just miserable this morning. God, I I just feel very uh, low in my life. I, I don't have motivation. God, I'm lonely. My husband's right there, but I'm very lonely. Whatever that you're going through. I feel distant from you. God delights. You know why? God is not a distant supreme being in the universe. But Jesus... Our, our, our teacher and master and Lord taught us to think of him, think, think, think of our sovereign God as a loving father. And more so, Abba. That's the most intimate baby language. Daddy. Did you notice in your quiet time a few, few, uh, couple of weeks ago in Isaiah 49, verse 15 through 16, can a woman forget her nursing child 
that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Rhetorical question. Absolutely not. Unless she's out of her mind, unless she's incapable mentally. It's her child, and it's, she has her baby on her breast. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. That, that passage is talking about the walls of Jerusalem. The whole Israelites were on his heart. So don't be noble. Don't be religious even talking to God. And don't try to just formulate these languages. I, I think one of the, the most attractive things that we've done in our prayer meetings, you know, 11, 12 people showed up surprisingly yesterday morning. Every one of us, I think, we look forward to that. The beginning personal prayer time, thanking God and adoration of God and confession. It's a personal confession. Even that short period of time, we feel relieved. There's a grace and mercy flowing. The second thing I see is when you're stuck in, in reverse, tell God all your complaints about the people who hurt, wrong, and irritate you. I intentionally put that in the present tense because it's not only about forgiving others who have wronged you and hurt you and irritated you in the past, but even now, a he or she might be in your house living together. Could be children, your spouse, or you see that person every day at work. In David's case, this is a literally enemy. Verse 9 Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. Let me stop here. Look for Emotional language. Look for how honest and transparent David is compared to the noble prayers that we get into it as soon as one sentence of confession. Okay? Verse 9 again. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, confuse their languages. For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around Go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. 
Within God's house, we walk in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, the place of death. For evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Lord God, help me love. Help me be patient. Those things we ought to pray. But before that, we need to take all these things out and place them before God. It is not only okay to tell God our complaints, but it is healthy, it is godly, it is necessary. Otherwise, you know what we end up doing? Telling people about the one that we're complaining. And Ian Bounds is right. It is, it is godly and powerful to tell God about people rather than tell, God, tell people about people that is sinful and gossipy and grumbling. And when we begin to do that, we could be honest. Remember, God is a big God. He could take it. Fear the Lord. I'm not talking about, you know, going irreverently, just going at it and using foul languages everywhere. <laughs> but we could honestly say, I can't stand him. I hate him. Oh, I wish I could just say something really, really harsh to her, her, at her face. At work. God, would you just do something about these people? That's what David is doing. Uh, keep that in mind that our real enemy is not people, but the evil one and, and the, the demonic spirits behind all this. But still that we could be honest about complaints about people in this way. Don't jump into the noble prayer again. Don't skip this part. Your Abba Father can bear it. And sometimes, you know, uh, Kate and I are concerned about some of our child. I mean, <laughs> some of our children. Because, you know, some, some kids... We have four sons, by the way. No problem expressing their emotions. Even you, before we ask them, they will tell us. Here's a one kid. <laughs> I'm not going to say who. Just built up inside. It's really hard for him to even... You know, articulate how he's feeling. Do you know what you're feeling? Not really. It's not good, right? So I'm beginning to understand Kate better. So it's, <laughs> um, it's not willful thing. It's just personality makeup. But we ought to help those sides, right? And throw them out. Oh, sure, after he expressed, and finally he connects with 
you know, identified with his feeling. And then there's a hug, there's a little bit of tears. It's helpful. But when it comes to our prayer, our prayer is such a dutiful thing. It's a chore that we have to go through. Especially when you're dealing with conflicts or things. You can learn from this. Listen to David. Um, verse 20, verse 9, 9 through 15, he starts doing that, right? And then actually verse 20, he comes back on this subject. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, but yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. You know, uh, most commentators will say this might be the incident in Second uh, Samuel 15 and 16. David's son, Absalom, who was known as the most handsome young man in the whole nation of Israel, had ambition. For several years, he worked on people who are complaining, coming to the, coming to the town and coming to Jerusalem to talk to the officials and to king, to what's been really bothering them, help, they need help. But at the gate, he intercepted every single one of them and saying, oh, I really hear you. And basically said, oh, if I were king, I would do something about this. For, I mean, patiently, willfully, he did that, did that. And then finally, he actually recruited close king's counsel. King's confident, and he became on his side. And the revolution, re revolt ha happened. And I think King David could have fought against you know, uh, Absalom's uh, revolt, but he chose not to. He's just walking away from Jerusalem and putting his hair down, and everybody's weeping as King and his servants are you know, escaping, literally running away. Ahithophel is the name of the council. He's the one who actually conspired against king, God's anointed king. And then God would pour, I mean, the, David would, as a king, pour out his problems and, and concerns and that he will listen and he will share his feedback, counsel. As a wise person. Well, obviously, it's just cutting deep. Isn't it? I googled betrayal song by friends or good friends. There's a tons of them. 
I didn't know uh, uh, Bob Dylan has one. Johnny Cash has one. Kelly Clarkson has one. <laughs> it's really, really just very, very uh, experiential. No wonder people like those songs. But it hurts. Listen to me. The wisdom of David is David's relationship with God was not this ritualistic religious contract going on. And someday I'll, I'll, I'll pay my dues and just be quiet. Lord, I, I give my tithing. I go to my home group and men's group and women's group. No. His prayer was a way to become restored and become, stay sane in his troubles. Here's a third one. When you're stuck in reverse, call to God desperately and persistently for your restoration. Verse 16, But I call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning, and at noon, I utter my complaint and mourn. And he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give me ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from, from old because they do not change and do not fear God. You know what David is doing? David is doing like our children. Comes back and repeats the same thing over and over. We think that if we have a lot of faith, we tell God once and just, Lord, I, I confess for 10 minutes. Oh, it's not with me anymore. I'm walking away. No, what David is doing, did you see that? Evening, morning, at noon, all throughout the day, all throughout the course of the day, there's a confession going on. Call to God. It's obviously prayer, right? But desperately, because he, he needs it. He's not doing it out of duty like a Pharisee or self-righteousness. He's doing out of desperate need. At the same time, he's doing as practice of his trust, willful, decisive trust. So this coming week, you practice you know, what we learned today, and maybe in your quiet time, maybe at night before you go to sleep, you turn off the light, sit on your bed, or sit right underneath the bed, and then you pour out your heart. And even you pray those very helpful breath prayer. And one of my breath, breath prayer I share with my friends here all the time is, Abba, I belong to you. Satan is condemning, condemning me in something or I condemn myself. Abba, I belong to you. My mistakes, my failures, 
my enemies, all that I have, I belong to you. My pain and my anguish belong to you. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. When I'm doing lap swimming, I pray that. When I'm driving, all of a sudden, it will come. And I call to God, Lord, have mercy on me. I belong to you. The things that I talked about, I regurgitate and tell God. Not because God needs to hear it again, but because I need to dump those toxic things again. And intentionally, I would even say, I lay them down at your feet, at the feet of the cross. The point is, it's not the how you say it and what you say, but you continually do that. Do not substitute quiet time with this, but throughout the day that you could come, come to, even as you're talking to your boss and you're in conflict, at the back of your mind you could say that, Lord, have mercy on me. Protect me from this like sinking sand of conflict that I feel. There's a last one. Uh, I mean, before we do that, listen to this. The reason why we could do that is right picture of God rather than the policeman looking for mistakes and failures in, on us. And then he's always angry about something. But listen to this. This is a description of God. In, in the book of Isaiah, again, a bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wig he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. When you feel that you have no faith whatsoever. I'm just burnt out. I drifted away from God. It's been weeks that I didn't spend time with God. Honestly. Quiet time was just afterthought. So maybe I, I need to fix myself and come back again. To feel close to God again. No. Bruise weak. That he will not break. I feel so utterly fragile. I feel so utterly weak. But God's tender care, he embraces you. Seven times we could go to God, call to God for this restoration and redemption. And uh, fourthly, I didn't uh, manipulate the text to save the, good, the best one at the end? David did. Here's the best one. When you're stuck in reverse, cast your burdens on the Lord as, a, as your way of relentlessly trusting in Him. Verse 22 and 23. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be removed, be moved. But you, O God, will cast down 
cast them down into a pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. So these are like dense words. So we need to chew on it and more and more. And then as you're chewing on it, it's just so good. When you think about cast your, uh, cast your burdens on the, on the Lord, what do you think about when you were here to cast? You don't, even have, you don't even need to look up the lexicon on this and Hebrew on this. So when you think about cast out demons, cast your nets, it's the same thing. It's a, like a, uh, the idea of fling and throwing and should we say dump and getting rid of. That's the idea. Some verses will say, translation will say, to the Lord, right? ESV, closer to the literal translation. Be on the Lord. I love this. Eugene Peterson paraphrased in message translation this way. Pile your troubles on God's shoulder. Have no problem carrying it. And he will sustain you. And look up the word. And sustaining means understanding, comprehending, containing. And I think it's the best way to describe is our children, young children especially, when they come. They tell us what they're afraid about. That they're showing us, are we here? What do we do? We carry them. Shh, don't worry. Shh. That's what God does to us. The reason why it's so good is this. Brothers and sisters, rhetorical question, no hands of, you know, raising hand or quite answering. How many of you feel heavy on your shoulder? Henry, I said no hands. <laughs> Something bothering you. According to this verse, you do not have to carry that burden any longer. Right this moment, you could fling it the shoulder of God that he has no problem carrying. It's like a dust. He doesn't even feel it. And by the way, he cares for you so much. 1 Peter 5, 17, similar verse, cast out your anxieties upon him for he cares for you. Like I des- described our young children coming we will carry them. We, will, we care about them so much. Tell me more about your fear. Dark monster. When you're, when, you, when you're sleeping in the dark. Oh, tell me about that owie that you're showing me. How did you get hurt? Is that still hurt? Let me kiss on it. Blow. <sighs> you know, kids have so much comfort. On that, right? We ought to do the same thing. 
And you could do that. You know, I'm going to ask you, you to do that when we're group, uh, reflecting as a group again later. But let me finish and wrap up with a couple of ideas. Do you remember? David closes with, I will trust in you. There's a decisive moment that we need to do. When you cast out, it shows your trust. Decisive, relentless trust. And once again, don't do it only once. Throughout the day, continually cast out anxieties. And then say it, I trust you. I will trust you whenever I get this feeling. And Charles Spurgeon's word, I close with this. Cast your troubles where you have cast your sins. You have cast your sins unto Jesus. Cast your troubles there also. As soon as the trouble comes, quick, the first thing, tell it to your Father in heaven. Remember the, that the longer you take telling your trouble to God, the more your peace will be impaired. The longer the frost lasts, lasts the, the more likely the ponds will be frozen. Oh, it is a happy way of smoothing sorrow when we can cast our burden upon the Lord. Oh, you agitate Christians. Do not dishonor your Lord by always wearing a frown of concern. Come, cast your burden upon the Lord. I see you staggering beneath a weight which he would not feel. What it seems to you a crushing burden would be nothing but a bit of dust to him. See, the Almighty bends his shoulders and he says, Here, Put your troubles here. Pile your troubles upon his shoulder. May the Lord teach us this week how to trust, not just conceptually, but casting out, casting our burdens upon the Lord moment by moment, day by day so we could experience the freedom from being stuck in reverse. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this psalm, and thank you for David's example in this psalm. We cry out to you that uh, you will teach us to be real to you and transparent to you and to be real to one another. I pray for healing, a restoration, redemption, and freedom in this coming week. May we experience breakthroughs. I pray especially for some of those brothers and sisters who are heavy laden, who are so tired, but stuck in reverse. I pray that your Holy Spirit whispers of grace and hope that he or she begins to transfer that weight 
onto your shoulder. And may the peace of Christ upon our hearts be upon all of us. May the love and care of our Abba felt all throughout this week in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.